All right, welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Week in Horror Front Row. We hope you've enjoyed this series, uh, sitting down with an amazingly talented individuals in the horror community and those who are bringing these stories to life. Tonight, I am sitting down with Diana Firefly and Britt Sellers from Scoffer Studios. Welcome, ladies. Welcome. Thanks. Great to be here. Fantastic. So... This is really, really intriguing. What, okay, so we've been we've been looking at your progress and following your progress for some time now. And one thing that really, really struck us is your approach to the industry itself and how, like, how, like, the energy that you bring to it, your ideology, you know, for lack of a better term. And so I, we, we kind of want to know first and foremost, like, like, what inspired this particular approach, this kind of like non-traditional approach that y'all have. Well, I guess we're non-traditional to begin with. Um, what we do is uh, very challenging. And so I would I would tell anyone that's getting into the industry, uh, if you have a thin skin, don't do it. <laughs> because uh, you have to be dedicated 24-7, 365. And you have to have balls of steel, basically. And um, so myself and Britt, uh, we create everything from the ground up. We do the writing, we do the directing, we do the producing. We do the filming, we do yeah. the editing. We approach the stars directly, sometimes through their agents, and we're absolutely fearless. I mean, absolutely fearless. Um, I mean, if, if you're going to do it, do it all the way. If you're, if you're going to go for it, go 150%. I mean... You got to look at it as a battle. You got to look at it as, you know, it's do or die. Don't come back on uh, unless they carry you in on your shield. We approached people like Tim Curry, Doug Bradley, Bryce Pappenbrook. Everyone told us we couldn't do it. Everyone told us the industry's locked up. There's no way you can do this. There's no way you can succeed. There's no way you can be famous. There's no way you can get your books published, you know. I mean, that's that's the advice that you get from everybody. I've been in so many uh, chat groups with my friends who are producers and different people. And um, what we're doing cannot be done, supposedly, but we did it. And we're very successful at it. And also, we have to put up with so much shit as female horror film directors and producers that uh, we pretty much have no fucks left to give. We just <laughs> we do our thing and you guys can just deal with it because we're not leaving. I mean, like the hostility levels, even with local filmmakers in our area that are men, I mean, they're so aggressive and angry that we're doing this and we're like, fuck you guys. We can do it too. I was talking to some producer. We can do it better. He's, he's a very, very successful producer. And uh, all of his stuff is is in the cans and rain dance, and um, he's like, um, you know, he's telling me, um, "What are you going to do about the can? What What are you going to do? You know, uh, who's going to fund your films? Who's who is going to, uh, you know, distribute it?" And I'm like, um, "If we stand still, if we if we stand still, all of this comes to us because." Um, for some reason, I don't know. I don't know if it's the alchemy of us being an all-woman studio and we have very fresh ideas and um, we do things very um, in, a, in a very independent way. We, we do things that that no one else does. And um, we've been we've been contacted by everybody. I mean, 
And I, I'm getting used to it now because we have so many agents for distribution that, that contact, you know, come to us. And, um, and, and it's funny because they'll try to find a male figure on our IMDB and they'll contact him. <laughs> and they'll say, um, I wanted to talk to you about your film. And he'll say, uh, no, it, it's not ours. I mean, it's not, a, it's Diana Firefly and Britt Sellers. It's an all woman studio. It's not, it's not a male studio. We had um, some help with the live action Blood Brothers Life Harvest from two other studios. Uh, and uh, they were great. And they came Fabulous down and helped people. with our, our costumes and with our uh, props. And then uh, Patrick Farley Productions, he's doing some of the editing too, because it's a lot of work. Right. And um, it's nice to bring in some other people to help out. But uh, most of this whole film, like 96%, we did all of it. Like we filmed it, we did the script, we did the casting, we did the directing, we did everything else that's Writing. involved. We wrote everything. I mean, apart from some costumes and some editing help, it was all us. And uh, that's a lot to do. <laughs> and our other, is, film, yeah. our other film, as you know, is packed with very big stars. And I am reluctant to say that when we did get these huge stars, that we came under attack from so many indie filmmakers. And um, they're like, you can't do that. You, you know, you, you can't get these people. You how come you got these people? Did you really get them? Are you really, really, are you lying about it? Yeah. And, I mean, and they attacked us. A lot of people just, just hated us. And then, you know, I got attacked by so many people saying, um, I couldn't get Tim Curry and I hate you. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, he loved what we're doing. And, and we have such an inspirational kind of family Jim Henson Studios. We love our actors. We try to support our actors. We try to treat everyone very fairly. We support minorities. That's a big deal for us. We support women. Um, we support small, small actors who have no experience because we look at everyone the same way. Like, you know, we just love this. Some of the actors we have in our new film, um, there's a little actress named Sophie and you'll see her in the video. She's just darling little girl. And she's in front of all the zombies. She kind of looks like Harlequin, beautiful girl. And um, we're so proud of having Sophie in our film. We Did scouted her actually on our way to London. We were like in the airport and we saw her and I noticed mom and we're like, look at her. She's I, I was like, she's perfect. And we're going to bring her back in the sequel, give her even bigger part because, um, you know, if I see someone that seems individual or they seem like to be really, uh, you know, um, charming or, or different just, just strikes me as different. And I kind of have a sixth sense, you know, if, if you're in this industry, you kind of got to have a sixth sense. Right. You kind of got to have this like alchemy of, of knowing what sells, what, what works, you know, you just feel like it's going the right way. And when you meet these people, you just get this warm feeling like this should be part of what we're doing. And, and, I use that so much with these actors, you know, you, you can just tell. And, um, you know, we've been very successful with putting the right characters, uh, the right people with the right characters. It's, it's just amazing. And uh, so our ideology is basically like, do it and uh, don't let anyone tell you to stop. Don't let anyone tell you anything and uh, make what you want to watch. 
and give everybody a shot. Like Sofia Coppola, mm -hmm. she says, don't make the kind of films that you think people wanna want to see. Make the kind that you want to see. And that's what we do and with everything we do, even our books that are, are not selling worldwide, they're in Walmart, they're in Barnes and Nobles, they're, they just exploded. Mine are, mine are selling in Japan really well. Um, everything we do is horror. Everything we do is spooky. Everything we do is kind of creepy. And because um, that's what we're fascinated with. That's all we do. And um, you can pick up anything we do and you're going to get scared. <laughs> a lot a lot of what you a lot of the sentiment that you're bringing up is echoed by, by individuals like not only Sofia Coppola but like Catherine Bigelow and um most yeah I would say most you know by the by the Soska sisters by Jen and Sylvia Soska who have spoken at length about the thing you know the problems the I would say the systemic problems they've run into in this industry where un until you know you're at a certain level no one's ever going to take you seriously and so exactly. you've got you've got to make your own opportunities and that's really and it's really intriguing because when it comes to the horror genre it takes i would say being being a filmmaker being a horror filmmaker and having being a writer and written some of the of the most grisliest stuff that you can put on celluloid i have to Say it takes a certain kind of experience, or say life experience, or kind of mind to kind of go into this. So, what drove you to initially get into the into this? What brought you to the genre? Well, um, for me, all of my negative emotions have to go somewhere. Like if I'm afraid of something, or if I'm mad at somebody, or if life in general is treating me like shit. Like, um, you know, a lot of my experiences in life. I have a very good life. I'm not like, you know, one of these people that say I have a tragic backstory. I don't. But like everyone, uh, life happens and shit happens along with it. And uh, the zombie film and the zombie book, Blood Brothers Life Harvest, was born because that was the darkest moment of my life that I was going through because my family was facing a lot of medical crisis at that time. And I was feeling hopeless. I was feeling helpless because there was not much I could do to uh, help the situation besides just be there and be supportive and love the people that were going through this. And all of my fears, all of my doubts, and a lot of the conversations we would have about life and death and, and sickness and loyalty and, and everything uh, between me and my entire family, I channeled all of those emotions directly into the Blood Brothers Life Harvest zombie book. And I've always been fascinated with zombies because it's, it's taking something familiar like your family or your friends or your neighbors and turning them into horrible monsters that want to kill you. And that's like the most terrifying thing ever because the person that you love is gone and you're faced with this horrible situation of what do I do? You know, uh, the person I love is either gone or disappearing and I have to help them or I have to, you know, do something terrible. It's, it's a dramatic situation that I've always been fascinated with. And, um, so putting my characters into those situations and having the main character, Enoch, face becoming a monster. He got bit by a zombie, saving his younger brother. And um, the mortality of facing that, he's not just going to die. He's going to turn into a horrible monster and try and kill his family. That uh, was something I wanted to explore because, you know, things like that in real life happen, like rabies exists. And you can take your your familiar dog that you love, like in Cujo, you know, your loyal dog, 
and uh, it turns into a monster. Rabies is real, and rabies is terrifying, and so I based the zombie apocalypse um, virus on that. I've always been fascinated by dark things like, uh, you know, diseases and the cordyceps fungus and all that kind of thing. All the, the, the mental uh, things that nature warps and twists. It's just so interesting and so fascinating. So, anyway, to ramble what was the, what to was the, close, What was the first zombie movie that, that kind of, like, grabbed you? Well, yeah, do you remember crazy. what it was? Crazy. The crazies? The we crazies. both love the, the crazies. The, the yeah. remake, the, the Timothy Oliphant remake or the I original watched, Romero? I watched the Timothy Oliphant one first, and that was horrifying, and I loved it because it was so exciting. <laughs> and uh, then after that, I watched I Am Legend, which is okay. also another one of my favorites, and I like both endings, both of the different versions. They were both great. And so um, our zombie apocalypse movie, Blood Brothers Life Harvest, is probably similar to both of those in terms okay. of emotion and drama and the focus on certain characters instead of like the whole town or sit different leaders or whatever. It's just focused on a few people and the situation surrounding them. You know, it's specific. It's, it's angled and pointed. It's very interesting. So Brit, for you, it's more about, so for you, it's as much about um, expression as it is an outlet in order yes. to focus yourself. Right. So, so Diana, what drew you into this genre? What brought you in? Any early inspirations or something that you saw or, you know, what, what made you say the horror? That's where it's good. That's where it's going to be. I like to trick people and I'm very mischievous. <laughs> and, and so I like to outsmart people and I, I like to trick people and I like to do twists that people don't expect. And, Anything I write is unexpected. And um, I cover a lot. I have so many books right now I'm writing. Oh, my God, I've, I've got like five. And I uh, always have a twist. I always have an Easter egg, something that you're not going to figure out. And when I was tiny, I was like eight. I used to read Agatha Christie, uh, Hitchcock. You know, other kids are reading like kids books and I was reading. Also, fun fact, she'd always get them right. I mean, she'd know yeah, I can, the first I can 10 minutes. solve any crime in the first five minutes. I can watch all of this crap on TV, you know, and cable. She's even so good that she can predict what they're going to say moments before they yeah, say it without I can, watching the movie. I, I can figure out. And I'm like, I should have been a detective because it's so easy. You know, it should be harder. But I just love that. I just love it. And so in all my stuff, it's always a little bit tricksy and it's a little bit mischievous and it's a little bit creepy. In terms of movies, mine would be the full frontal I Am Legend and Crazies as Hers in is more direct. Direct mm -hmm. and simple. Hers would be more like The Shining. Mine's more subtle like, more like and the building thing. And, and will kill you in the and end. And when the flashlight <laughs> does fly over to where the monster lays, you're going to be terrified with her. <laughs> Mine is just the zombie is running right at you screaming. I mean, the end. But there's nothing better than <laughs> She's horror. She's coy about it. But there's nothing better than horror. There's nothing creepier. And I think that people use sometimes, well, you know, people like me, they use horror to, uh, it, it's like a therapy. Because if, if you're scaring yourself, then you're making it a safe thing when you're watching TV because you know you're not going to die. You're watching it there, and it's like exposing yourself to something creepy and scary, but you know it's okay. And it's like zombies. You know, people fear death. I look at everything psychologically. People fear death. They're terrified of dying. You know, the whole world is terrified of COVID. Everyone's terrified of these 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 wolves at the door, and so um, 
or zombies you know? at the door. Yeah. And so you want to distract yourself with something that it's like, if you're afraid of death, zombies are dead. Okay. They're dead, but they're still able to party. They're still able to fall in love. They're still able to have fun. And our zombies are variants. So our zombies are a little bit different. You know, they you can, got normal zombies that want to eat your brain. And then you got variants, which could also eat your brain, but they can think about it first. Yeah. So, they're not so I'm seeing, so I'm seeing on the, on the Russo to Romero track, y'all definitely fell on the Russo side of that. Definitely. Yeah. Our zombies, <laughs> our zombies, some of them are very attractive. Some of them are all full of maggots and pus. Some are very smart. They're still very humanoid and others are completely gone. So we have a spectrum of different uh, variants. So like in our sequel, we're both writing it together. Um, Norman, of course it had to be Norman. He's a variant. The name Norman even, you know, you have to have Norman. But anyway, he is, he thinks of himself as like Spider-Man. He thinks of himself as a hero and he thinks of himself as a good guy, you know. But, but he's not. But he's very twisted. So he's not so good. You, you don't want to be so, around Norman. So you you mentioned books that the books that you've written and you know just looking at Scoffer Studios, y'all are very much a multimedia platform because you deal oh, yeah. with movies, you deal with music, and you also deal with books as well. So you know it's a, that's a daunting task in and of itself to to focus on so many different fields. So what drove you to that? Is is it just a matter of iron to we the have, fire, or is it your so many course? ideas? Like we've got comic books that are going to be coming out on all of our all of our media. Uh, we're going to do Dagon as a comic and we're going to do uh, the zombies as a comic. It just flows. I it's mean, like trying to it's hold, unstoppable. It's like trying to hold the ocean in a glass. We just spill out everywhere. We can't stop ourselves from making all these different things. And I hear filmmakers saying, gosh, I need a great idea. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to choose one. Cause we've got, I, you know, oh my God, we've got like 20. We came up with a, a aliens kind of thing like two days ago, we thought of an awesome kick-ass alien-based film. and Inspired by all this drama that's going on, by the way. You know, and so... Eventually, we'll probably hire aliens. <laughs> but, you know, um, we're constantly coming up with kick-ass ideas, and we're like, I wish we had more funding, damn it. I wish we had more people. Right. But eventually, we're going to have to have a bigger staff. Once we get... Once we prove ourselves by having our zombie film out there and being god awful popular and then we get Dagon out there with Tim Curry are you kidding me Doug Bradley Bryce Pappenbrook Emily O'Brien we've got too many stars to mention we almost had Christina Ritchie but she was busy with Wednesday I mean it was close and I hate that I cried for three days we we couldn't we just couldn't you know oh it's a lot of money and right. we're self we're basically self-funded and um but I mean it was close and we were treated so respectfully and that's what that you know you're doing something right when someone like Christina Ritchie is so respectful. Definitely, definitely. What is that? Okay, so it's you know it is interesting for an indie for an indie collaboration to be able to secure these kinds of names. By okay, so walk us through that process of just approaching these interviews. Oh some my people, god! Some people I know oh. wouldn't touch it. They'd be like, "No, I'm not even going to dare." You know, you know. Nerves of steel is all I can say. I'm Nerves of steel. Oh my god! I'm a she coward. Won't talk to him. She will not do it. I'm a coward. I'm like, she's Hell like, no. no. And um, it's so funny when we got Tim Curry. It took me, I would say, 60 days to reel that fish in. 
it was hard. And it's funny because the very day I closed the deal, I was talking to his agent slash girlfriend, um, Marcia Horowitz. And um, she was on the phone with me and everyone knew I was about to get Tim Curry. And I had people texting me. I had people talking to me on Facebook. I had people in my house because we were down to the wire and everyone was screaming and I'm on the phone and I'm like running from room to room, trying to get away from people who are trying to listen to my conversation with his agent because she's telling me now, Tim, uh, we could do this if you get his favorite uh, recording studio. And this was lockdown. This was COVID. And, um, uh, so they're like, he won't do it unless he can do it at Salami Studios Hollywood. And I'm like, oh, my God, because it was it was locked down. I didn't even know if they were open. Seriously. I didn't know if they were going to come in. And he had to have his voice coach and all his people to come out there. And it was it was dangerous. You could die. And um, so I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, and um, I had talked to her so much about it. She was as excited as I was. So we finally put everything together. We asked everybody. I talked to Salami Studios and they said, yeah, we'll do it for Tim. And he came across town and braved COVID to record his lines. And we were like in discussion with the, with Salami Studios all that day, making sure he was happy, he was comfortable, everything was going good. And we got his lines at the end of the day. And I was just, I was just, oh my God, you have to have nerves and steel. But, um, it was 50 50 as you're as you're dealing with these big people it's 50 50 until the contract signed you you never can just sit back and say this is done you you have to uh you have to woo them you have to comfort them you have to like you know move it along so carefully and make sure it doesn't go south you know and and do whatever it takes to get that big star because like uh People were telling me, they said, you know what this is going to do to your film. And we're so tiny, you know, we, we, we were so tiny and, um, and we got Tim Curry and Doug Bradley and people are like, some people were furious. They're absolutely furious at us. And, um, but they wanted to see the script. They wanted to know what the character was. They wanted to hear about the whole movie. They wanted to know who else was in it. And we actually lost several friendships over that. Yeah, we did. Because they get jealous and they just can't handle it. And then they get wild. furious. About it. You're like, you were my friend. How'd that happen? I thought you I, were like supportive. It's, it's so, it's so wild because I would be sitting here if, if, I mean, I wish the best for every single one of my, you know, would not only, I mean, I have a lot of associations, but I also have my solo stuff as well. And we all, you know, wish the best for everything that we, you know, it's like, and, and if anything, every single one of us, like if you land somebody or if you, if you have a big breakthrough, Everyone should be about well. How can I? It's it's not about just hitching my wagon to hitching my wagon to you. It's kind of like well, how can I help? How can I assist you in getting even further along on this? You know, whether it could be something as simple as do you need somebody to show up? Some you know show up on a day to assist on set. Do you need like a you know like a free hand or something like that? Because now that you, the ball is moving, maybe you need some further assistance, and we can do that if I've got time in my schedule. And that's the way we we kind of. We idealize it. We wish it could go that way, but there is a lot of that animosity where it's kind of like you got that iron to strike first, and everybody's kind of like, "How the hell did you do that?" And you, ah, oh, why didn't you? And all they can see is themselves in that, which is unfortunately kind of like uh, the nature of the beast. And it's not, it's not personal; it's just business, but it's also kind of personal because you, you know, right. 
you're friends with these people and then suddenly they turn on you and you're like, whoa, I didn't see that coming just because we're doing a little bit better than we were before when we first met you. I mean, what? Uh, we were, you know, we're, we're buddies. What happened? What so, did y'all, what did y'all learn from that experience? We, you know, when, when it's all of a sudden this, this tonal shift occurred and it's like, you know, granny shifting in a friggin' manual was like, bam. And all of a sudden this wall hits you and this wall of realization. How did y'all react to that? Well, we react to success with uh, tears and dancing and laughter and bouncing up and down hysterically and having a general blast. And we react to misfortune with tears and crying and saying, darn it, we missed that. And nothing hurts as bad as when uh, there's a missed opportunity that you just did not recognize or you didn't see coming and you're just you're like, oh, darn it, I missed that one. Those are rare, but when they happen to me, because they didn't, never happen to her. When they happen to me, I'm like, darn it, I'm still, I'm still growing in this industry. I don't know it all. <laughs> when, when I, when I didn't get Christina, because I just thought for sure I was going to get her. When I didn't get Christina, it was a blow, and I got really upset. But then I thought, you know, I'm going to revisit this, and I do believe there is a, um, a higher power or the universal rule that if it's meant to happen, it will, and the things that happen to us are always successful. I mean, it's really weird because it, it like puts itself together for us and we're just kind of watching. And I think successful people, you can feel it. I mean, it, it's weird. You can tell when somebody's going to succeed. You can tell when someone's going to be something big. And we always knew this was going to happen to us because you can you can feel it. It all fits into place, and and big stars approach you, and and big distribution ap approaches you, and things start happening. It's almost like magic. Our zombie film, Blood so Brothers weird. Life Harvest, it put itself together. Like she's saying, uh, it just all fit together perfectly. Um, we had some major cast shifts, like last minute. Um, our main character bailed. Yes, and uh, he just said. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I quit. And I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? Same thing happened with Dagon, though. Remember, yeah. we had hired a voice actor wow. to be in Dagon. And he said, this is never going to happen. You're never going to get anything with Dagon. It's never going to be anything. And he bailed. A week later, and we got Tim we Curry. We got Tim Curry and Doug Bradley and Bryce Pappenbrook. And, and he came back and said, can I please be in this? I'm like, no. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. So, so, I mean, so, so when it came to that, that kind of like two-facedness that all of a sudden you, you were hit with, what was your you know, initial reaction and how did you move past? How did you solve that? Mine is like a cold chill. Like you're trotting along perfectly happy. And then suddenly you get this little niggling feeling in the back of your head and you're like, I should watch this person because nothing would have happened. Everything's fine. But then something makes you watch that person a bit closer. And uh, then suddenly they'll pull this on you. And luckily I have like backup plans upon backup plans upon backup plans. And we did that kind of instinctually. But um, I had already lined up three other people to play each of the characters that um, these two bailed from. And uh, so they were much better. I'm very happy with how it turned out. Um, I do not regret replacing the original characters, voices and actual actors but uh when that actually happens to you it's a cold chill it's like falling down some stairs in the dark you're like whoa dang it but we're like cats we're very good at landing on our feet yeah you fall down the stairs but you land on your feet 
<laughs> say, it, it, it makes you more aware. It's that kind of heightened awareness when all of a sudden, you know, you realize you're in a situation and then everything. And then you got to be careful what, what, you know, similar to all of us, it pretty much run into something uh, similar at the time. And it make, it gives you that kind of like heightened awareness. Now, all of a sudden, you're kind of like jumping at everything. It's like, what does that mean? Like, what, 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 what's going on there? And you don't want to be too, because it can make you paranoid. And that's why yeah. it's it's hard to find that that middle ground where you can not only work with other people, but also protect yourself, you know? And that's a that's one of the difficult, it's kind of like one of the, the things they don't really talk about. He's like, oh, I want to make a movie. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff, not only like personal stuff that you got to deal with and a lot of things, not just logistics and money and stuff like that. It's about yourself, your, cre- your creativity, protecting oneself from those who just want to take what you have. And that's difficult to reconcile for a lot of new people when they break into it and they get faced with it. And that could be a make or break moment for a lot of people. A studio is like a pirate ship. Uh, you need the right crew. And right. Uh, if some people dive overboard at the last minute, that's okay. You just keep on sailing. <laughs> keep on doing your thing. And uh, you wear cool hats while you do it. That's all, that's all right. We're coming into Tortuga. <laughs> <laughs> so always tell us. Huh? Always keep that sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> you can laugh afterwards. You're doing okay. Okay. So tell us about Scoffer Studios, the home base. What you what you like the the central uh, the the nerve center of of y'all's creative endeavors? Well, as as you know, it's basically me and Britt, and um, we brainstorm everything. So everything is a composite of both of our ideas. We both script right over each other. Uh, we bounce ideas off each other, and you know we're not afraid to say that sucks. You know, and both of us get in there and say let's make it better. Um, everything starts with she and I. And so, uh, you know, we have so many projects now we're trying, <laughs> we're trying to figure out what we're going to do after this. And, um, we want to add some more people, but right now we, we have, um, added a background, really wonderful person, dark Hoffman and dark Hoffman. Um, he's been helping us with, with the artwork. He does like posters and things and he's amazing. He's from walking dead. He also does things like Hotel Transylvania. He does Hocus Pocus. Uh, we've added musical people to our studio that we use on and off. Uh, Luke Truen from Discovery Channel has joined our little family. Um, then Olox. We, we have Olox and all women. Uh, well, not all women, but she's indigenous. Female, female they're indigenous. Led. She's female owned. Uh, her name's Snow Raven. And she loves us. I mean, she's like our best. She friend. was like, you guys are amazing. Cool. You know, they're Siberian um, throat singing. If you we have Leon Hendricks, really he's fun. Jimi Hendricks brother, Leon Hendricks. Yes. We also have beautiful death who is uh, an Australian guitarist and he does our romantic, uh, you know, orchestra. We have Steve zombies. Lee, Steve Lee from Disney. So he does our sound. He does our sound. And yeah. he's currently working on a massive project of a spooky yeah, children's my, book. Yeah, my did. very spooky children's book. It's a spooky children's book. It's like <laughs> Coraline. Lots of fun. The audiobook is massive. Over the hills. Awesome. Over the hills and far away. It's like, uh, it's very creepy. It's like Coraline meets Alice in Wonderland. Nice. Very original. Uh, Only it's spookier not, than both It's of them. not terrifying, but it is spooky. And it's so, also available everywhere if you want to check it out. So with the zombie film Blood Brothers and, of course, uh, Dagon, and I'm going to get this right, Dagon Troll World Chronicles? 
Mm-hmm. So, but do you have anything? And you have a sequel. You mentioned you have a sequel coming up to Blood Brothers. Is there anything else that you have currently Irons of the Fire that you can talk about? Oh, I don't want to spoil anything. So, well, we definitely have Blood Brothers Life Harvest. It is going to be done next year. Uh, I mean, it's going to be done technically this year, but it'll be released next year. And Dagon will also be finished next year. It'll be released the year after that. Um, Comic books. We have both of them. We have a sequel to Blood Brothers Life Harvest, which is probably what we will do next as a film. We've already written the whole thing. We're just finishing it now. Yeah, and it's sick. It's awesome. It's disgusting. And then we have several (laughs) other projects which we really can't talk about, can we? Well, I have my audiobook. I have a beautiful audiobook that we've been working on for two years. Steve Lee's doing it. And it is the same, the same book, Over the Hills and Far Away, but it's a it's an audio drama, has original music, it has some big names in it, like Richard Ashton. It has Kirk Thatcher from Muppets Treasure Island. It has um it just has tons of great voice actors. We have like 45 British voice actors and um if you like harry potter i've got some voice actors in there that sound exactly like hermione granger and hagrid because i love harry potter oh my god i love it i mean it's just it's wonderful so next year we will have blood brothers life harvest released and over the The audio book is almost yeah it's almost finished it's amazing it's a huge thing yeah steve's ripping his hair out he's like ah he's like oh my god diana if i had known but he loves alice in wonderland so he's like i'm on board with that because i love alice in wonderland he said he said he cried in some parts of my book because it was heartbreaking because you know i do have a ghost boy in there and he doesn't understand why he's dead and um he'll never grow up and he'll never be able to find his family so he's and steve said when i was when i was listening to the little boy that we got to be papette the ghost boy he said when i heard him he said i cry every damn time (laughs) yeah his name's silas warner he did a great job oh Excellent. It's good to hear that he's got some upcoming stuff. So given y'all's entrance into this and how you've broken ground on this now, it's a daunting task to break ground in this industry in any way, whether it's in music or it's in books itself. I myself recently completed uh, a horror novella, a collection of, of Lovecraftian-style short stories that I wrote. And just the, even that way, I mean, writing it was one thing. Trying to break, you know, go further than that has just been a daunting task. You know, well, we didn't self-publish. We did not. Yeah, that, and I was like, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm navigating those that, you know, that that mire right now. So for other people out there, for like you know, individuals listening to this who are also tr- looking for a way, trying to break around on this, having come as far as you have, what is the recommendations that you give to individuals? Kind of like, I kind of want to get into this, but I don't know. You, you've got to find a way that you are different than everyone else and let your difference carry you. Because uh, if your project is exciting and it's it's not based on something else, um, it's going to carry you. It's, it's just going to pick you up and carry you. And make sure that you are up to the task of doing interviews because we... <laughs> We do nonstop interviews and we just went to London and had a huge party celebrating my book. We had 250 celebrities, producers, big actors from like Blood and Honey. And we had Elton John's backup singers there partied and got so drunk. It was so much fun. We were laughing. We love the UK. We love everyone. But see, my book is is pretty British. Uh, Over the Hills and Far Away is very British. 
And Dagon has Tim Curry, which he's from the UK. Then Doug Bradley's from the UK. A lot of my stars are from the UK and the UK loves us. And so we just had such a, a fabulous time. We get invites from, from everywhere, Tokyo. We had one from Scotland. We do Comic-Cons. But you have to, you know, be um, different, you know. I'd say to uh, be different, but also to be yourself. Like, this is us. This is us. We're weird. Uh, we're weird. We dress up like this to go to Walmart. I mean, we're crazy. We've always and, been uh, weird. Never. I, when I was eight years old and in second grade, I would look around the other kids and think, I wonder what it's like to be like that. I would be, be normal. I would be scaring the other kids because we'd have like sleepovers and they'd say, let's tell spooky stories. And they get so scared that they had to go home because I'd tell them <laughs> a spooky story. And so uh, anyway, just be yourself, but also be different. And uh, if yourself is already different, then great. And the universe will pick up on that. If you're determined and you, you've got to visualize it, you've got to believe in it, manifest, be relentless. manifest, manifest. I can't stress that enough. That if you can't see it, no one else can. You've got to believe it. You've got to own it. You've got to brand it. And my advice would be be relentless, but also don't be obnoxious. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> don't beat someone over the head with your stuff. Just present it out there and say, hey, this is awesome. You want to look at it? And they're like, yeah, I kind of do. That looks cool. <laughs> I mean, you know, you don't like go over there and, and copy and paste your entire novel on someone's computer, <laughs> like has happened to me several times. I'm like, well, you can do it. like Gene Roddenberry did and just drive your motorcycle up in there and drop the script on the dude's desk and be like, you have it. Bye. <laughs> That's that pretty much what she did that to Elijah Wood. <laughs> yeah. I went up to Elijah Wood and threw all my stuff at him and he's like, this is awesome, but I'm busy, but this is great. I love it. But anyway, I was, I was, uh, that was a lot of fun, and he was really happy with that. We had kind of hung out a little bit. We awesome. were both at the Comic Con doing our own thing, but uh, it was a lot of fun. I did not attack him in the supermarket. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. no. So th this this has been absolutely amazing and some fantastic insight into getting into the industry and, of course, approaching it from a multimedia perspective, and of course, uh, some unique. I would say a, a unique experience as far as running into an unfortunate negative side of it and how y'all dealt with it, which is absolutely amazing. And so, uh, but one thing before we, before we close it out, I, uh, and us, we're always really, really curious. Now, Britt, you mentioned The Crazies and a couple of other films. Now, when it comes to your inspirations, like the things that like, you, know, you go fall back on in horror, like obviously you look around my office, I'm a Carpenter fan. So I got The Thing, I got Christine, Big Trouble, you know, the rest of the Apocalypse Trilogy, oh, Prince yeah. of Darkness, and and uh, In the Mouth of Madness. You know, I'm a huge Carpenter fan. So, but what is it that y'all fall back on, like your go-to horror, your inspirations there? My go-to horror is 100% zombies. I'll watch anything <laughs> with zombies in it. And um, ones I'll come back to rewatch are ones that involve really serious characters. Like in, in The Thing, like with John Carpenter's The Thing, I mean, you love watching uh, Kurt Russell's character running around trying to figure out who's the thing. It's so much fun, and you love him. You know, just the moment that he pours that glass of whiskey into the computer, you're like, that's my guy right there. I like him. The thing can eat anyone else on the whole damn planet. Don't eat Kurt Russell. Yes. So, character uh, building. So mm. mine's with strong characters versus horrible situations. And I love endings where the characters are both sitting there and they're like, 
what the fuck just happened to us? When, I mean, like when, when in the thing, to go back to the thing, I love the thing. Uh, them sitting there in the ice with the fire burning down. He's like, we're getting to know each other really good in a few hours. Let's, let's see who's the thing here. I mean, that's fun. So what do you think? Was, was McCready infected or were they both? It's not the if you think, you think Childs was infected. I think Childs was infected, and I think that McCready knew it. And I think that the alien kind of respected McCready at this point. <laughs> and I think they were both just kind of sizing each other up, like, let's go one more round. Let's see what we got in this after this. Interesting. Interesting. And how about you, Diana? Mine is more subtle. I like psychological thrillers. I like Easter eggs. Uh, mine is Ridley Scott. So Blade Runner would be the kind of horror I like. I like the kind of horror that is creeping up on you and uh, that's surreal and odd and leaves you kind of stunned and you're like, ah, oh, shit. You know, I, I didn't see that coming or I want to go into this world and just stay there even though it's scary because I've always been interested in films that you wanted to go there even though it's terrifying and just stay there. Why can't you just get in there and, and be there? Like Blade Runner, I would totally... You know, I would totally be with Harrison Ford and all oh, that. Of course you would. Hell yeah, he's so hot. <laughs> he is so hot. And then Tim Curry in Legend. You know, that's creepy. He's scary. But hell yeah. She I definitely I would have been darkness. dating the darkness. Hell yeah, he's he's hot. Pet unicorn in darkness. That would have been her. Yeah, I love unicorns too. That's awesome. Fantastic. She's cute, she's cute but terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> Well, ladies, I want to thank you all so much, Diana and Britt, for sitting down with us. This has been an absolutely stellar conversation about y'all's careers and how they developed and, of course, making it in this industry. And it's, you know, the things that you've overcome and the things that you've learned, I'm sure that everyone who listens to this will be able to take something from it. So thank you so much for taking time with us out of your schedule. We do appreciate it. And we wish you all the absolute best for the future in all of your thank future you. projects. So thank you very much. Thanks. That was Thank great. Thank you. And to check out our projects, Blood Brothers Life Harvest is coming soon. And it's a book currently out on Amazon Walmart. and Walmart. And Over the Hills and Far Away is currently available as well, which is a terrifying, not Barnes really, and Noble, children's uh, story. Books a Million. We're doing a book signing uh, two or three places for my book. Uh, we're going to be in Rogers, Arkansas at, books, at Barnes and Noble, September 9th. And so you get to meet us in person. A lot of fun. And uh, if you want to follow us, we're on Facebook under Brit Sellers and Diana Firefly. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. This has been another edition of the Week in Horror Front Row, where we sit down with industry professionals and talk about their careers and all the things that make them into the storytellers that we uh, that give us all the great stuff in the genre that we love. So follow these fine ladies, uh, Diane, Diana Firefly and Brit Sellers. We're going to put all their links down in the description as well as a link to Scoffer Studio so you can keep up to date with all of the cool things they have in progress. And, of course, a huge thank you once again to these ladies. We do appreciate it. Thank you for coming out and hanging out with us. Anytime. Anytime. Awesome. I have been JL. This has been Week in Horror Front Row, and we will see you all next month. You're doing great. Mm. I'll close it.